Welcome to Beyond Synth. Please note, Beyond Synth is an explicit program and may contain inappropriate language. Listener discretion is strongly advised. Hey there, welcome to the show. My name is Andy Last, and you are listening to Beyond Synth. This is episode 82, and uh, we're going to be flying by the seat of our pants, or at least I will be flying by the seat of my pants, because uh, there's no guests this week. We've got just a lot of music to play, a lot of um, things to get caught up on, and uh, we're going to do that now. And uh, normally I go into an episode with a sort of plan, but today I have no plan other than to fill some time, to play some cool tracks, to listen to some uh, listener mail, some junk emails, and by listen to, I mean you're going to listen to me read those things and also listen to some cool music. I have brewed myself a French vanilla. This is a beverage they make at Canadian coffee chain Tim Hortons. I'm not doing any promotion for them. It's just a drink I happen to like. It's sort of a vanilla-y, chocolate-milky drink that has uh, a lot of synthetic, you know, caffeine in it and stuff. And it makes me feel all right. And I like the taste of it because I'm not really a coffee guy. Coffee's a little too bitter for me, but uh, hot chocolate is also not what I was in the mood for, you know, so I brew this up. It's got some caffeine, and uh, it's all right. Now, I said that wasn't going to be an ad for Tim Hortons, but it clearly sounded like one, and I apologize because they are not my sponsor, but if they want to be, I'll do it. I think my podcast might be a little too small for a chain that size, but uh, <laughs> I should just go to the local one and ask. And those of you who are unfamiliar with Tim Hortons, if you don't live in Canada, by local one, that could mean like 50. Like there's literally, especially in Toronto, there is a Tim Hortons on every... There is definitely one on every block, sometimes more than one. I don't know what the American equivalent would be if there is that many like Dunkin' Donuts or Krispy Kremes like in that much of a proximity of each other. But Tim Hortons in Canada is definitely a place where, you know, a lot of people grab their morning coffee and like a breakfast sandwich or something. And they are everywhere, like absolutely everywhere in every small town. And in Toronto, there is something like 250 locations or something like it's absurd. And the thing that pisses me off is that my favorite... Uh, sorry, I just got a lot louder there. <laughs> is that I love Wendy's. Wendy's is my fast food chain of choice. And for some reason in Toronto, there's like three for the whole city. And they're all in weird places. You know, like every neighborhood seems to have a McDonald's. I mean, there's probably just as many McDonald's franchises as there is, you know, like the Tim Hortons ones. Like there seems to be a McDonald's in every corner. And even if there isn't, then there might be like a subway station that has a McDonald's like attached to it or something or a little kiosk or something. But for some reason, Wendy's, my favorite chain, they're all on like the outskirts of town, like near the highway. And I think there's like two that are downtown and one of them's in an underground food court under a bank. And the other one is on Main Street, but it's not like, what am I? This is what happens when... (laughs) (laughs) by fly by the seat of my pants let's listen to a song so of course this is awesome because it's by dynatron and uh, dynatron just put out a new ep and it's fucking cool and this song is called contact
And that was Contact by Dynatron off the Rigel Axiom. And Dynatron is cool. I got some uh, people on Twitter saying, when are you going to have Dynatron on the show? And I said, I will. Or something to that effect. Believe me, if people make awesome synthwave music, they're going to be on the show unless they specifically don't want to do it. I mean, I reach out to a number of people. A lot of times, it seems to work out like there's a synchronicity where by the time I ask them on the show, they're already sort of like sending me tracks or uh, saying that they're interested in being on the show. And usually the only thing that really puts a, you know, wrench in that works, a wrench in that, a wrench in the works is if the guest, uh, the guest, well, I guess... (laughs) (laughs) is if the person doesn't want to be a guest. I can't call them a guest if they're not a guest. And, you know, some people are like that, man. There's some artists who like to uh, maintain anonymity or they don't want to ruin the effect, you know? Like if everyone sees them as some sort of, you know, like laser pirate and then like you finally talk to them and they're all just like, um, actually, when I uh, made that song, uh, Laser Strobe, I used uh, 600 BPM. Well, that'd be a really fast song. <laughs> I can't do impressions of fictional people properly. But uh, the point is that, yes, I do reach out to anyone whose music I think is cool. And uh, my hope is to eventually have them all on. I mean, as you know, there's so many, you know, synthwave artists. And I like to have return guests. I like to get caught up with people who I'm a big fan of. And so, you know, there's still a lot of guests to get to. And I will get to them. Damn it, I will. That's uh, my guarantee. So, how are you today? This is a mail sack listener mail day. Uh, I'm not going to play the theme song too many times. So I'll play the I'll play the mail sack theme when I read one, and I'll play the junk email theme when I read the first junk email. But I'm not going to play the theme every time because I think that might make people upset. If this whole episode was just two hours of the junk email theme looped. But that being said, I do love the theme. And Hoo-Ha does great work. Hoo-Ha makes the themes. As always, Beyond Synth is brought to you by Down to Jam. That's downtojam.com. Today I don't have my copy in front of me, so I'm going to see if I can remember this from memory. Down to Jam is a... I can't. How can... (laughs) You'd think since I read that thing every week that it would be in my memory, but it's not. Down to Jam, a social networking site for musicians based on musical compatibility. If you're just looking for a if you're just looking for a partner to jam with or to fill a spot in your band, you're going to want to check out this site and sign up downtojam.com. Now that's pretty damn good. I think I almost got it word for word. Downtojam.com. Check it out. D-O-W-N-T-O-J-A-M.com. A social networking site for musicians to meet up, man. I was reading this story about how they were conducting an investigation into No Man's Sky fraud claims. I still haven't played the game. There's been nothing more divisive this year, it seems, in video games than the game No Man's Sky. And I still want to check it out because I think it looks cool. But... It was definitely one that, as I saw, you know, the previews when they were showing the game, I looked at it and thought, this game looks really cool, but I'm going to wait for reviews. There was just something about what I was seeing that I couldn't quite grasp what the game was. So it wasn't a question in my mind that there was going to be, like, false promises or things not delivered on. I mean, every game does that. But it was definitely a really interesting thing the second that came out, and just the backlash uh, on that game is insane. 
And uh, I wonder how that works. I still want to play it. I feel like it'll be a PlayStation Plus game at some point, and maybe it'll get a second win when people actually play it for themselves without any sort of preconceived notions. Because I think some people were really, like, thinking that was going to be, like, the second coming of games. And the whole time I was watching the development in those news stories, and I'm like, this is a team of, like, it's a really small team. Like, it's essentially an indie game. So I wasn't expecting a AAA game from it. I just wanted to know what the game was. I mean, if it was literally just landing on planets and flying away, way um i don't know how long that would keep me interested you know and so that's why i waited for the reviews so it's still something i want to play but it's just so interesting now there's people like suing and stuff because the game wasn't what was promised and it's just weird i feel bad for that team because if it's just a team of small people maybe the game was just too ambitious in scope for a team that size I don't know. We'll keep talking about this. Let's listen to another song first. There was an album that came out around Halloween. Again, I'm still catching up on a lot of Halloween shit. And it was called Hear the Living Dead. And it was a compilation of a bunch of cool tracks. And I'm going to play one of them now. This is a track by Dead Life. And it's called Like Ghosts.
And that was Like Ghosts by Dead Life off the Hear the Living Dead compilation. And that was a Halloween comp, and it was pretty cool. There's actually a lot of tracks on there and a lot of really good ones. I might even play another track from that compilation later in the show. But in the meantime, I was just going to finish my thought here. So sometimes there are certain games, and they get acclaimed just because it's a very streamlined and simple premise, but with some compelling gameplay. And that's what I think, you know, the indie studios are best at. I mean, if you look at Red Barrels, they were the ones who did the, the game Outlast, and that was a PS Plus game, you know, when PlayStation 4 first came out. That was that horror game where you have the video camera. And, you know, that's a small team, too. But it's not like they're saying, we're going to make a game where you can go to, like, millions of planets in the universe and, like, all this other stuff. I mean, it was a pretty linear horror game, and it offered sort of this new idea of, you know, like, the video camera and the visuals effects they had when you put the camera and the night vision on. It just made the game really creepy and scary. And I actually just played the demo for Part 2 the other day, and it seems like a promising sequel. But yeah, it's things like that, you know? You just, if you have a small team, sometimes maybe it's, you want to have ambition, but you also want to have it within reason, (laughs) I, I suppose. But then again, I wasn't really following too closely what the producers of No Man's Sky were actually saying, like the developers. So maybe people had reason to believe that there was features that were going to be in there that weren't. But definitely the backlash was insane. I mean, it's a video game. You know, if I bought a bad video game, I don't know that I would be like suing or, you know, whatever. (laughs) Because I've bought a lot of bad things. I mean, as I get older, the only difference is I do a lot of research before I buy. And in the case of, you know, video games, it's really only the, you know, the big ones that I know are going to be good the ones that I will buy on day one. And if it's like a new IP or something, as much as I want to support new IPs, I still need to read reviews. But I don't necessarily go by the review score, which I think is what a lot of nerds, angry nerds, tend to do, right? They'll go to IGN, they won't even read the text or watch the video, they just skip to the end where it just says what it is out of 10. And if it's a game they're highly anticipating, they get mad if it's nothing less than an 8.5, which is ridiculous, because you got to read the words, because there's lots of games I've played that have gotten 9 out of 10, 10 out of 10, and they're just not my kind of game. And that happens all the time. You know, there's lots of games that are just not my kind of game. I'm not a big racing game guy, for example. I'm not a big sports game guy, for example. You know, so a baseball game could come out right now and get 10 out of 10. And it's not going to be a 10 out of 10 for me because I don't agree to the, you know, the central concept of the game. Like, I don't want to play a baseball game. But I will play sports if they're in other games. So if I'm playing, like, Grand Theft Auto and there's, like, a tennis mini game, I'll play tennis there, but I will not play tennis in a dedicated tennis game. Although there was a wicked tennis game... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> that being said, for the TurboGrafx-16, and it was called World of Tennis, and it was a tennis role-playing game where you would have random battles, but the battles would be tennis matches, and the tennis matches would change based on what terrain you were walking on. <laughs> it was a wicked game. The whole premise was you had to defeat the evil king of tennis. Did I talk about this on the show before? I feel like I talked about this, maybe with Adam McNabb. Well, how about this? Let's, um, we'll listen to another track, and then we're going to, uh, maybe uh, listen to some listener mail. Listen to some listener mail. There you go, guys. Here's a track by Fubar. I think they say it as Fubar. I've never asked him, to be honest with you. It's F.U.B.A.R. I'm assuming it's Fubar. Now, this is an interesting track. I like it. (laughs) But it definitely, it sounds like uh, something from... 
like a soundtrack because it takes some sort of twists and turns that happen at sort of strange times almost as if it's edited to the picture of a movie but I think it is just an original track off uh, the Laser Motto EP and this is a track called Flying Through the Clouds Fantasy.
That was Flying Through the Clouds Fantasy by Fubar. And that's a cool track. It definitely sounds like it's from a soundtrack, although I don't think it is. And in the middle there where it's doing like the clocks ticking and stuff, it really reminded me of like something out of Legend or something when it's got those sound effects that come in. But that's a cool song. Um, let's open up the mail sack. Be faithful listeners writing to the show, hoping that you know. And this is from Lou Rinaldi, listener Lou Rinaldi. And he says, 1986 was clearly the most impactful year for gaming during that decade. What's your personal pick for best game released in 1986? All right, that's a good question. So he's right, 1986 is crazy year for games. I'm just looking at the list now. Metroid, Bubble Bobble, Castlevania, Arkanoid, Kid Icarus, The Legend of Zelda, Outrun, Batman, and of course, Big Event Golf. So what would be my favorite game from 1986? That's a good question. Because even a lot of the best ones here, the ones that I like the best, were superseded by better sequels. I mean, as much as Metroid is an important game, Super Metroid is better than Metroid. And The Legend of Zelda, you know, the Super Nintendo Zelda game is better as well. So I'm going to say this, that although I acknowledge the importance of those games, and they are important, the game that had the most effect on me in 1986 was Bubble Bobble. Bubble Bobble was, I believe, the first Nintendo game I saw, like being played on a Nintendo system. I remember when we were young, you could rent a Nintendo system from the convenience store that was near our house, and I think you got like a few games with it, and uh, I think our neighbor rented it, or maybe they were the first person that, that I knew that had a Nintendo. And when I saw like Super Mario for the first time, it was like amazing to me that you could play that at home. And the same with Bubble Bobble. I was like, Bubble Bobble, I knew that from like the arcade. And the song in Bubble Bobble is still like one of the greatest uplifting <laughs> video game songs there is. So that might be a surprising answer because technically Zelda and Metroid are more substantial games. Castlevania, of course, you know, these are all games that spawned these like amazing franchises. Adventure Island is 1986 as well. But I just have to say uh, Bubble Bobble because of that song. Simple as that, motherfucker. <laughs> what do you want to do? You want to listen to another song? We'll read some more mail. All right. This is a song by Woob. W-O-O-B off the Overrun underscore E-X-E album. What does E-X-E stand for? It's executive, right? I've never known. Like when you're on a PC and you need the E-X-E file, it's executive file. Is this completely irrelevant? Yes. Uh, this is a track called Driving Through Your Dreams to Save You by Woob. I'm not from here. I'm here.
And that was Woob with the track Driving Through Your Dreams to Save You. And we are back on Beyond Synths. Today is a listener mail, junk email folder kind of day. So let's, uh, I think Lou actually asked a few questions. So Lou Rinaldi also asked, When did you realize that the show was really starting to take off? And if this was a pre-internet era, would you do a zine? No, (laughs) I wouldn't do a zine at all. The thing about the show... And definitely, uh, I don't know, has it really taken off? (laughs) I mean, I've got some listeners and there's some Patreon donors and stuff, but to say taken off might be a little uh, exaggeration on the truth. But, uh, you know, I'm glad people listen and people, I mean, I do seem to be getting more listeners very slowly, but it is... It's been a sort of a very slow process. There's other podcasts I listen to who are very successful now who seem to sort of snowball with their success kind of quickly. And uh, definitely Beyond Synths is a very slow snowball rolling down a hill. But uh, I don't know. It's a good question. I mean, it definitely wasn't uh, this episode. <laughs> I'm sure if people tune into this and go like, this fucking shit's taken off? The fuck is this? And they'd be right. Uh, I would not do a zine at all. A zine is, uh, for you people who don't know, it's like people would like hand out things. They're not like professionally made magazines. It'd be like a few Xeroxed pages and they'd like hand them out at uh, clubs or whatever, you know, or you could like find them around. That doesn't interest me at all. Like the actual manufacturing of a magazine, like that's not where my interest lies. If this were back then, it just wouldn't exist. It exists because podcasting is a thing and because, you know, I can have access to relatively decent recording equipment, whereas I just wouldn't have had that a long time ago. So I hope that answers your question, Lou Rinaldi. And Jeremy Boringer wanted to know, if you could meet one fictional 80s movie character, who would it be? Good question. I guess that depends what you wanted to get out of the meeting. I mean, if you were having trouble with a bunch of street thugs, it'd be cool to meet up with Matrix from Commando and for him to show up and uh, beat up those people and solve your problems. I think uh, Marty McFly, he seems like a fun guy. He's got a big truck likes to skateboard or just hang around all day at the pool at uh, phoebe kate's house from uh, fast times (laughs) you know what i'd like to meet in real life is judge reinhold that guy's always seemed like such a friendly dude i don't know why there's just something about that guy's face i've always found him just have such a friendly face so maybe he's like a complete asshole in real life i don't know but like in the movies anyways it just seems to translate he's just this kind of jovial smiling dude even like his part in seinfeld was awesome robocop would be a handy guy to know but I wouldn't want to exist in the world of RoboCop. Although it's fucking heading there, if you know what I mean. (laughs) (sighs) Thank you for your question, Jeremy Boringer. And uh, we're going to listen to another track, and then uh, we'll keep this show going. I I don't know what I was about to say. Even in my head, this isn't a show. (laughs) It's like, I don't know what the fuck it is, but uh, anyway, here's a track. This is by Michael Oakley. I think I played one of his tracks a few weeks ago. A super talented dude. Here's a track called Turn Back Time.
And that was Turn Back Time by Michael Oakley. And you can always check out all the links to the artists I play on the show on the SoundCloud page. So when the episodes go up on Mondays, go to SoundCloud and check the More Info button on the track and you will have a big list of all the people I play on the show and links to their respective websites. Because that's the way thing goes here. That's the way thing goes here. <laughs> oh yeah, here's a thing too, because see, Jeremy Boringer, right? See, he writes in and says, you know, if you could meet a fictional ladies character, who would it be? But I got a question for you because I just looked at Jeremy's description on Twitter and it says, neuroscience PhD candidate. I like research on sleep and circadian rhythms. So what is a neuroscience PhD candidate? Or candidate. What does that mean? Does that mean you're up for a PhD? Or like, do you guys wait in a big line like your candidates and they're only giving out like five PhDs and you're sort of in a row like a American Idol type situation and some of you have to like lob the best neuroscience theories out there to get your award? Write me back and let me know. I find all that stuff really interesting. Although it's way over my head, but uh, I like science and you should too. So, uh, you want to read some junk email or what? This junk email is called Contact Paul George Ankrum, and it's got like five exclamation marks. I am Mrs. Marina Williams. I am a UK citizen, 48 years old. I reside here in London, United Kingdom. My residential address is as follows, 2-4 Forest Drive East, Leightonstone, London, and then a postal code. Am thinking of relocating since I am now rich. I am one of those that took part in the compensation in USA many years ago, and they refused to pay me. I had paid over $85,000 while in the UK trying to get my payment all to no avail. Well, Marina Williams sounds like a fucking idiot. Let's continue. So I decided to travel to United States of America, Washington, with all my compensation documents, and I was directed by the Federal Bureau of Investigation Director to contact Paul George Ankrum, who is a representative of the Federal Bureau of Investigation and a member of the Compensation Award Committee, currently in United States. And I contacted him, and he explained everything to me. He said whoever is contacting us through emails are fake. He took me to the paying bank for the claim of my compensation payment. Right now, I am the most happiest woman on earth because I have received my compensation funds of $10.5 million US. Moreover, Mr. Paul George Ankrum showed me the full information of those that are yet to receive their payments. And I saw your email as one of the beneficiaries on the list he showed me. That, <laughs> that is why. So let's just uh, clarify here. Paul George Ankrum is a representative of the FBI. And when he gave this lady her money, he just showed her a list of emails of all the other people. Like that isn't classified information at all. 
Amazing. That is why I decided to emailing you to stop dealing with those people. They are not with your fund. They are only making money out of you. I will advise you to contact Mr. Paul George Ankrum. Kindly send your personal details to him to prove your identification. So I need to provide my full name, home address, occupation, phone number, age, gender, and country. You have to contact him directly on this information below. The Compensation Award House. <laughs> Paul George Ankrum. I think my favorite part of this email is they keep saying Paul George Ankrum every time. Well, you know, he's a representative of the FBI, so what do you guess his email is? Well, it's george.ankrum at gmail, of course. <laughs> you really have to stop dealing with those people that are contacting you and telling you that your fund is with them. It is not in any way with them. They are only taking advantage of you, and they will dry you up until you have nothing. The only money I paid after I met Mr. Paul George Ankrum was just 455 US dollars for the paperworks. Take note of that. Once again, stop contacting those people. I will advise you to contact Mr. Paul George Ankrum <laughs> so that he can help you to deliver your fund instead of dealing with those liars that will be turning you around asking for different kind of money to complete your transaction. Thank you and be blessed. I should also point out that Paul George Ankrum also asked her for money to complete the transaction. <laughs> And he's a fucking member of the FBI. <laughs> I think you're all saying, how come we haven't listened to some music in a while? So let's listen to another track. This is a song by Paul George Ankrum. <laughs> Never mind, it's by Beckett. It's another track from the Hear the Living Dead compilation, and this track is called Dead Tired, Dead Walk.
And that was Dead Tired, Dead Walk by Beckett off the Hear the Living Dead compilation. That's a cool song. And we are back with Beyond Synth, episode 82. I've been reading uh, listener emails and some junk emails. Uh, Maybe we should go to the Patreon. How about that? Patreon is a way you can donate to the show if you like what you're listening to. You can send a couple shekels my way to help me make the show. And we've got a couple goals to reach. And if we reach those goals, the show gets to become even bigger and better. But any amount helps. I mean, some people are donating, you know, five, ten bucks a month, but honestly, like, if you want to donate a buck a month, that's that's awesome, too. I mean, every little bit, you know, helps the, the overall thing. And that's kind of what Patreon is. It's a way you can donate to the show on a monthly basis. You can donate as little as a dollar. Higher donations get, you know, shitty prizes. And uh, I do video shout-outs for some of the higher uh, donation tiers and stuff like that. And, uh, yeah, so let's go to the Patreon! So as always, you know, I'm going to thank Lucas C. and Brendan Kellum, Ravonia, Power85, Lunar Baboon, Terrence Thompson, Knox Bello, Nathan Winter, Russ Nyes. This is new. Data Suck. (laughs) Thanks, Data Suck. That's a new one. Data Suck. New Patreon patron. And thank you to Seach and the Fear Merchant and Simon Norberg. Is that new? Wait, I don't think Data Suck is new. I think he just changed his name, but Simon Norberg is new. You guys are trying to trick me. Every time you change your names, I think it's like a new uh, donation person. But Simon Norberg, thanks, buddy, for donating to Beyond Synth. I appreciate it. And then there's Zikorax and Tomas, whose last name is also written now, and I cannot pronounce it, and I won't even try. I'm gonna try. Bubenseek. <laughs> Thomas Bubenseek. Bubenesek. Bububen. Thomas. And Martin Chigorega. Python Blue. Eric Valerio. And of course, my $5 Pattersons. There's Kai. And Saloja. Lame Robot Mitchell Carswell, Dougie Fresh, Will Lowe, John Eternal, Bobby B, Devious Raven, Philip Huberger, X-Riz Music, Roman, Florence Bullock, Joe and Lando. And of course, my lovely $10 Pattersons. There's Jake Last, Trevor Resnick, and Colin Bennett. And of course, the king of the Pattersons, Scotty Galden. Thank you all so much for donating to Beyond Synth. It means a lot to me. Uh, let's try and reach those goals, man. If you've got friends who you think would be interested in Beyond Synth, uh, let them hear the show, man. They will probably hate it. <laughs> but if they don't, uh, that's also a good thing too, man. We'll get more listeners. You know, Lou Rinaldi said, when do you think the show took off? And I don't think it ever did. But maybe if a few of you tell a few of your friends, we can really get this fucking pyramid scheme going. If you know what I mean. All right. Thank you all for donating to Patreon, patreon.com slash beyondsynth. Let's listen to another track. This is Chromatique and Honeymoon. 
that was Honeymoon by Chromatic. It could also be Chromatic. It's got the Q-U-E at the end, so I'm going to say Chromatic. And uh, if they want to correct me, they can fucking correct me. All right, let's open up the mail sack again. Mail This is from Bit Apart. Longtime listener beyond synth. Hi, Bit Apart. That dude's been listening to the show since it started, all right? So show some respect (laughs) to the Beyond Synth listening elders. He asks, PSVR is what they promised in the 80s and the 90s. What VR would be? Have you tried it? Nope. And I don't know anyone that has it. I did the pricing because, you know, Canadian dollars are worth less than American dollars. And so far, whenever I would go online, I would only see what the American dollar value of PSVR is. And I never saw what it was in Canadian dollars until the other day when the, the items were finally in the store. So I priced it out. What it would cost to get a VR headset, the two motion controllers, and the PS camera, because I don't have that. And in total, it would cost over $850. It's not that much of a thing like an experiment for me that I will pay that much money because that's not money I have. (laughs) Believe me, when I say it's exciting that there's like, I'm getting like $100 from the Patreon, that money is going towards stuff now. Like, it's not going into the fucking Andy wastes his money fund. Like, believe me, it's making the computers, you know, I'm saving stuff up to, you know, make the computer better to make the, uh, you know, the editing of the show better and and, uh, stuff like that. I put it towards advertising sometimes. What I'm basically trying to say is I don't have $850 to spend on something that I might not like. And the only person I know who has it is another synthwave artist, but he doesn't live in my country. So I I just said, you know, hey, how is it? And he's like, it's pretty cool. I'm like, all right, great. (laughs) So if I know somebody that has one, I will definitely try it out and I will report back to you. To be honest with you, I haven't tried any VR at all. But the thing that excites me most is not VR, it's augmented reality stuff. So what I'm interested in is to see how VR is going to make the experience of like paintball and laser tag cooler. Because, you know, if you can have basically an arena that's physically set up, so you're, you are really walking through a, a location, but then you put a VR headset on that makes the location look like something else, and then they can populate that 3D space with characters that you only see in your goggles, that's what I'm looking forward to. If somebody has lots of money and wants to build the fucking facility in real life, so take the GoldenEye facility, actually build it, as a real location but then you know the walls are blank like there's nothing on the walls or anything but then when you put on the headset it replaces your vision with a complete you know video game but it's all one to one so that you're walking around a real location your feet are really touching the ground you can really touch the walls but your vision just sees something else and then there's all these virtual bad guys you know running around that you get to shoot I mean literally you could be like holding a stick in your hand but your goggles would show it to you as like a wicked laser cannon or something and that would be wicked and that's what i'm looking forward to because there's just something about the idea of sitting in a chair and doing vr that just feels wrong it just seems like it would be disorienting i mean i read lots of stories of people who it makes them sick and i imagine that's just because the motion doesn't compute in your brain properly like if you're walking in a game but you're physically sitting it might throw you off especially if your head is bobbing in the game but your head isn't bobbing in real life and stuff i mean so there's all these you know these things that they got to take into account but at the same time i haven't played it that's only going by articles i've read and you should never do that 
you know, you should definitely experience things when you can, get real information when you can that's pertaining to everything in life and not just go by some person's opinion or whatever. I mean, really, you know, see for yourself. So that's the point. The bottom line is, no, I haven't tried it. I would like to. Maybe I'll go to the mall and see if... You know, maybe one of the video game stores has put up a VR kiosk and maybe I'll try it out. But I imagine that would be incredibly busy. <laughs> and do I want to put on a stupid headset? I mean, it's bad enough touching controllers that, you know, like fucking thousands of kids have come in and play on after just like eating fast food in the mall. And like they got their greasy hands all over these shitty controllers. Do I then want to take that a step further and put goggles on that I know have just been worn by a bunch of fucking filthy urchins? You know, I don't want to get pink eye just trying to fucking play VR in the mall. <laughs> and there's the quote of the week. <laughs> Let's listen to another song. This is a classic, classic Mega Drive track. You know, I've always loved Mega Drive. He hasn't put out music in a long time, although I believe he is working on stuff, but it might be in a slightly different direction. But uh, I've always loved going back and listening to Mega Drive. This track is called I Am The Program by Mega Drive. <laughs>
And that was I Am The Program by Mega Drive. And we are back on Beyond Synth, just reading some listener mail. I just read that one from Bit Apart about VR, but he also wrote me another question. And it says, here's another one. If you had a DeLorean, to which time would you travel, back or forth? And honestly, I think I would travel back in time. Because I feel like the future, I mean, if you stay alive, you're going to see the future. I know that sounds weird because they might have really cool things in the future. But if you have a time machine, you have the coolest thing there could ever be. Maybe that's taking the fun out of the game a bit. But, like, honestly, if you have a time machine, what are you going to see in the future that's going to be better than your time machine? Right? Like, oh, it's pretty cool. They've got, like, apartments that, like, float over the water now. Okay. I have a time machine. Right? I mean, what? like, oh, look at this. Uh, humans can live to, like, 150 now. And they, like, they swap your blood when you're 70. And they, they replace your DNA. Like, that's real cool. I have a time machine. You know what I mean? Like, so even though all these exciting, you know, scientific breakthroughs could happen and we have some neat technology. I mean, even you go in the future and, like, look, at they've got this, the most amazing VR that hooks into your brain. That's cool. Again, I have a time machine. So I would actually go back in time. I mean, I would probably do the... You know, I not not that I would cause mischief, but I would definitely take advantage of the fact that I know the future and it would allow me to exist in the past a lot less stressful. You know, I think now especially with the internet, you're just bombarded with information all the time and a lot of it is bullshit. It can be stressful. Like I feel that stress. Sometimes I feel like websites should even be liable for producing stories that are there just to stress you out and then you find out that there's actually like nothing to it or it's fucking fake or they just made the headline super awful just to really grab your attention. And that pisses me off. And I think if you went back in time, you would just have the peace of mind of knowing like, yeah, the world didn't blow up. You know what I mean? Like if you go back to the 80s and, you know, when they were all afraid of certain things and you could be like, yeah, I mean, you know, I know it's still going to go for another few years, you know, and like even if my time machine broke in the 80s, I think I would be fine living in it. I think it would be a little bit relaxing and I would have this knowledge of the future. So I I would be able to uh, sort of navigate through it. And then I would go to a lot of places where they do workouts where the women are wearing those spandexy outfits with like the thongs. (laughs) You know what's sad? When I read this time machine question, that's like the first image that popped in my head. It's the stupid spandex outfits that the girls wear at the workout places. Like, that's what I would do. I wouldn't go back and meet famous people who'd be like, I want to go back in the 80s when... <laughs> and did women ever actually wear those? Or was that just in movies? You know what I mean? But the thing is, since I would know movies in the future, I could, like, install myself as, like, this wicked movie producer because I would just, like, show up and be like, yeah, Ghostbusters, yeah, I think we'll fund your film. You know what I mean? Because I would know, like, what movies were going to be hits and stuff. Back to the future, huh? Interesting idea. And I would know to not make the mistakes that people made in the 80s. Like, I would know, okay, well, don't be a damn cokehead because you're going to fuck up your life and be this, this idiot, but take advantage of the fact that, you know, all these other people people are being fools around you and then you could really I don't know what I'm saying now that I'm going to go back in time and become like a record producer or something I don't know what I'm saying <laughs> like and all these fuck ups around me like are doing too much coke but I secretly know that it's bad for you and they don't yet let's listen to another song <laughs> stupid this is a track by Airborne and it's called Impetus
And that was Impetus by Airborne. And that's a cool track. And we're just reading listener mail today and uh, junk emails and stuff. Here's a couple fun. You know, most of the time when I read junk emails, I always read the, uh, you know, the, the scam ones. But uh, here's a few that I really enjoyed. Sometimes they just have the best taglines, mostly the sex ones. This is from Cialis Discounter, and the title of the email is, Now You Can Be Happy to Meet Every Single Morning, Andy. Followed by the first line of the email, which is, Gently, he felt that. Bernard Custer... (laughs) Sorry. It's one of those sentences that's, like, generated by a robot. Gently, he felt that. Bernard Custer, that whatever it seemed... No sound from me. Whatever that fucking means. But that's from the Cialis discounter, so I guess it's about boners. But what does Bernard Custer have to do with boners? No idea. This one says, James. Because I get emails addressed to James for some reason. James, slutty chick searching for some fun. You will not regret writing to me. Because I love to pleasure horny dudes who are from London. So that relates to me in no way, which is amazing. <laughs> like, I love a junk email that just gets everything about you wrong. So it's, it's some chick who thinks I'm James. I mean, obviously, I know it's a robot. I'm not a fool, but I just love that sentence. It's amazing. I've got some old junk emails that I saved from years ago, and I got to read them sometime because some of them have the best titles that haven't been topped to this day. Here is a message. Actually, this is from Saloja, who uh, is one of my uh, Patreon Pattersons, uh, one of my Patreon donors. And he got in touch with me and said, uh, hey, I recently found synthwave music while exploring my long holistic interest in cyberpunk. With this discovery, I also bumped into Beyond Synth, and I really enjoy your podcast. Thanks, dude. I know dystopian sci-fi and fantasy isn't your main direction, but I was wondering if you ever talk about cyberpunk in your show. If you do, I was hoping to get some direction to which episode you discuss it in, because I'm a recent fan and there's a lot of content to listen to. This show is content, by the way. You slightly touched the concept in your latest interview with Protector 101. Oh, so Saloja's... He's going through the back catalog. He's just listened to episode 47. Little does he know there's another 40 to go. As of... Not yet. Your description of the dark Japanese rainy nights filled with neon. I actually got introduced to Protector 101 through the soundtrack of the cyberpunk game called Satellite Rain. That in turn led me to Beyond Synth after furious googling. Thank you for your time and all the hard work. Asaloja. I hope that's how you say your name, by the way. There's certain names sometimes if they have like a Spanish influence that I don't know. Is it like, is it Saloja? (laughs) Maybe it is. Let me know if it is. That's an interesting question, because I think that Synthwave and Cyberpunk have a crossover, obviously a pretty significant one. And I think a lot of the Synthwave music we play could also be Cyberpunk. And actually, I'm going to reach out to you guys, the listeners of Beyond Synth. Let me know what you think when it comes to, like, what artists do you think in the Synthwave scene would you, would you categorize more as Cyberpunk than synthwave and how and how would you make that distinction because it's not something i'm really good at because i would say okay fine synthwave has an 80s sound but you know a lot of the music i play on the show doesn't necessarily always sound completely 80s you know there is 90s influence there's modern influence you know 70s i mean it's all sorts of decades 
So, you know, there is that question of like, is some maybe some of it just is cyberpunk. Like Saloja says, rainy neon nights. I mean, that is also cyberpunk as well as synthwave. So let me know uh, in the comments, you know, what how you make that distinction. And what are some artists that you would recommend if you would say, you know, this is more cyberpunk than synthwave. I know I would say like hide and sequence is kind of more cyberpunk and he goes for a more cyberpunk aesthetic. But there's others I can think of. Anyway, how about this? Let's... Listen to another song, and then we'll uh, keep going on this show, man. So this is Retro Thunder and the track Inspire.
was Inspire by Retro Thunder, and you're listening to Beyond Synth, episode 82. We've just been uh, reading some listener mails. Reading some listener mail, that's correct. And also some junk email. I'm going to take the last little drink of my French vanilla. And of course, this show has been going on for a long time, and it is cold. I just saw a cool story. They just released a patch for Grand Theft Auto Online that adds light cycles from Tron. I don't know if that's something that you have to play in a specific Tron mode, but that'd be really cool if you can take the light cycles out on the street. We really have to have a GTA 5 day. I've been meaning to do this for a long time with listeners of the show. If we can arrange at a certain time, I would love to hop on the PlayStation 4 with a bunch of listeners of the show and just fuck around on Grand Theft Auto. I mean, it'd be really cool if we could even, like, fill the whole world so it's just us instead of, like, you know, a bunch of, like, random players. Like, if I could get... How many can exist? in the world at the same time, like 16. If I could get like 16 other players to join a a game of GTA and then just screw around, like I don't really care about doing missions. I just kind of want to play for like an hour or two and just fuck around and smash things and stuff. Uh, I think that would be a lot of fun and we should definitely do that sometimes. And this would be the perfect mode, man, this light cycles mode. But what I don't know is how it works. I think I just saw the trailer and it said you could actually do the thing where you make the, the laser trails and if you cut people off, like they crash into them and stuff. But I don't know if that's a specific specific like Tron mini game and that you can't take the light cycles out of it but hopefully you can because that'd be pretty cool and before I forget please like the Beyond Synth Facebook page that's facebook.com slash beyond.synth.podcast and soundcloud.com slash beyond synth and you can send me messages there or to my Twitter account as well at Andy Last on Twitter and if you want your music featured on the show or you want me to check it out send me a private message on any one of those things to my Twitter to the Facebook to the SoundCloud and uh, just send me links and I'll check out your tunes and if I dig them I'll play them on the show and don't forget to also follow Power85 on Twitter as well Power85 is where we play the shows on Thursday nights and you can tune in and there's a chat going you know people just listen to the show and chat while the show is uh, playing that's Thursday nights and of course if you dig the show and you want to listen to it early before it goes up on SoundCloud for download you can always check it out on Power85 Thursday nights at 8pm Eastern and speaking of Grand Theft Auto 5 besides this night cycle thing I also read another story that I found really funny but I think it's something you can only do on PC because it might require mods, but I guess there's players who play and just roleplay as cops, and I love the idea of that, <laughs> like that they're actually like pulling people over and like fighting crime and stuff, <laughs> and that's one thing that I, I think what Grand Theft Auto needs, because I know the Grand Theft Auto games have always been crime games, and I appreciate that, and they're a lot of fun, of course, like they're, you know, it's one of the best franchises there is, but I've always wanted some more sort of minigame stuff in that vein, like, you know, I always liked when you could hop into a taxi and take like taxi fares and stuff, and I liked in Grand Theft Auto 4 that you had those like kind of police missions where if you stole a police car and you um, listened to the police radio they would give like, you know, an APB on a criminal, and then you could go and hunt that criminal down and that's the one thing i wish grand theft auto 5 had and i hope that they put that into the next game because you know when you're role playing when you're running around and playing the game and smashing stuff it would actually be kind of cool if you had the option to do it i don't want to say lawfully but that you could actually play as you know if you wanted to as like a detective kind of character or like a vigilante justice kind of guy and that you could actually play the game that way and that, that there was options for you to do that you could just activate like cop mode and then just parts of the map would light up and 
you'd go... I mean, you would still just end up shooting people, but you'd be doing it as a detective, you know what I mean? Or a vigilante or something. And I think that would be pretty cool. Because right now, you can technically do that, but it's like in your imagination that you are being a vigilante or whatever. And it'd be cool if there was a mode that really acknowledged, like, you're a vigilante, you know? Like, that'd be wicked. Let's listen to another song. That's how I feel about that. This is a track called Business is Good by Insert Coin. And that was Insert Coin with the track Business Is Good. And that is an awesome song. And you should dig it, because I dig it. We can probably wind the show down, I think. This has been okay. If you want to know why there's no guest, occasionally I'm going to do this. Whoa, what? 
just drop some wires on my desk. Now that we're pretty much doing an episode once a week with very few breaks, there does come a time when there are certain weeks I don't have enough time to edit the interviews. And I still want to be able to put out a show and I still want to be able to share awesome music with you guys and, you know, spotlight some new artists I discovered and stuff. And to that end, I really want to make sure that there are a lot of shows and that we don't take as many breaks as we used to in the past. And so if I get to a week where I don't have the guest interview edited yet, um, I still want to be able to put out a show uh, without a guest. I don't know fully how those episodes really go down. I don't know if people just hate them. I mean, I know they get like less listens, but I think it's important to always be putting the show out and to involve the listeners, that's you guys, uh, you know, with your questions and stuff and uh, reading some mail and things like that. It's something that's going to happen moving forward. Sometimes I just don't have time to edit the interview or the interviews are like half edited and they're not ready for the show yet. And I still want to put out a show. That's the reason, man. That's the reason. You know, we're going to wind the show down. Uh, Thanks for listening, by the way. I hope you guys have the best weekend you could possibly have. If you still have some leftover Halloween candy, eat it up. It's only been a week or two weeks. I don't remember. And, uh, yeah. Thanks for listening to Beyond Synth, guys. It means a lot to me. I think we'll end on a track today. I haven't listened to this one in a while. It's by Von Herzog. It's called Pyramids. I've always dug this one, and I thought it'd be a nice track to end the show on. So, thank you guys for listening to the show. Tune in next time, and I'll catch you on the flip side. Nope. (laughs) Sorry. I'll catch you next time. Catch on the flip side just sounds wrong. And now let's listen to a little Von Herzog and Pyramids. And have a nice weekend. Balls. (laughs) 